0: My name is James Rudd. I'm the digital media editor at HEART and I'm delighted to be joined today on the HEART podcast by Dr. Asim Malhotra. Asim, many thanks for joining us and perhaps you could introduce yourself for the HEART audience.
1: My pleasure, James. Um, Yes, I'm uh, currently an honorary consultant cardiologist at Lister Hospital in Stevenage. Um, I have a number of other roles which include being a member of the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges um, choosing Wisely Steering Group. And also, I am a member of the Board of
0: Trustees of the King's Fund. And I Asim, you have a, a deep interest in the connections between diet, exercise and heart disease. I know you've, you've published on this uh, in the BMJ and other places. And most recently in, the, in our sister journal, the British Journal of Sports Medicine, you wrote a, an editorial uh, which really tried to uncouple the links between uh, fat intake, LDL levels and heart disease. And you have also uh, deeply interested in the Mediterranean diet. Perhaps you could perhaps just start off by telling us a little bit about the background to what you wrote in that editorial. Uh, and I'll put the link in the show notes for uh, people to go and read it themselves. But it was really fascinating uh, and written with a co-author from the U.S., I think. Was it the editor of JAMA?
1: Yes, the editor of JAMA Internal Medicine, um, Professor Rita Redberg, who's also a practicing cardiologist, as well as the editor of Open Heart, Pascal Meyer, Again, another practicing cardiologist so it was three of us who wrote an editorial uh, essentially um, trying to shift the focus away from saturated fat saying that it doesn't actually dietary saturated fat doesn't clog the arteries and in fact coronary artery disease is a an inflammatory condition the risk of which can be significantly reduced from concentrating on lifestyle changes but a little bit on the background on that James first was um, I first published uh, a widely publicized editorial on the BMJ in 2013 um called saturated fat is not the major issue. And in that editorial, um, I did emphasize that the um, evidence on saturated fat at that point wasn't that it should be number you know dietary enemy number one. Um, I didn't say it wasn't involved at all, but I said it didn't, the evidence just wasn't there. Um, you know, the up-to-date evidence wasn't there. Sugar should be the main focus. Um and it's interesting, we've now evolved since then, and uh, obviously the sugar, the, the awareness of sugar. And its involvement and role uh, as a potential causative factor in the development of cardiovascular disease it certainly seems to be stronger than it was several years ago um but yes coming back to this editorial in the british on sports medicine um i think that the you know there's been further studies since my editorial in 2013 and i think one two of the two of the um pieces of evidence we cited one was a very high quality observational study that showed that The intake of dietary saturated fat in um, in healthy people certainly wasn't associated with any major uh, disease, whether it be cardiovascular disease or development of stroke or cardiovascular death or mortality. And then there was also a systematic review published in BMJ Open, which interestingly looked at people with established heart disease and whether reduction in total fat and saturated fat in that particular population uh, resulted in a reduction in any heart endpoint uh, related to heart disease or cardiovascular death or, or cause mortality and there was none so the evidence both for primary and secondary prevention that reduction in saturated fat per se has not had any um, strong evidence of uh, reducing cardiovascular events
0: okay um, just as on the back of that just while you're talking about saturated fat i guess we could touch briefly on the pure studies this was uh, two studies published in the main Lancet journal and a a third study published in Lancet Diabetes and uh, released at the recent European Society of Cardiology meeting. So this was a cross-sectional study of 135,000 people in 18 countries with an average of seven and a half years follow-up. And they showed, uh, as you're suggesting really, that a high carbohydrate diet uh, was linked to an increased risk of mortality, but that was not the case for diets that were high in saturated fat and they also showed that uh, three to four portions of fruit and vegetables a day is sufficient for cardiovascular health. But, of course, this is cross-sectional. It's not an interventional study, but it does tend to support what you're saying about uh, saturated fat and maybe too much emphasis on lowering fat. Sure, James. I think
1: you're absolutely right. I think what was interesting in that study is that they found that very low intakes of saturated fat were associated with increased mortality. Um, so people who are consuming up to you know 3% Uh, saturated fat versus you know the um, the participants who are on consuming 13 percent there seems to be more harm obviously as you say it's an associate you know it's an observational study but still very interesting and you know and and they haven't got an absolute you know uh, definitive explanation for this but I think other data suggested certainly that saturated fat um, consumption and probably it's linked to LDL to some degree It may be that there's a protective mechanism um, in terms of protecting people from suffering uh, fatal infections. Uh, And that's certainly one of the uh, postulated mechanisms uh, that one of the authors has suggested. But, you know, as you you say, I think at the very least, um, it does tell us that this emphasis and this obsession uh, for decades of lowering saturated fat in the diet to actually improve one's health um, has been very misguided.
0: I mean, it seems to be in the, the authors suggest that a diet rich in carbohydrates leads to a high BMI, which then has consequences on increasing blood pressure, increasing LDL and lowering HDL cholesterol. And they think that that's perhaps the mechanism by which a high carbohydrate diet does does harm. But as you say, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a cause and effect uh, for sure.
1: I think that's a very interesting point you make, James, because this brings us back to the British Journal of Sports Medicine piece when we talk about what appears to be certainly the most important risk factor for coronary artery disease and is insulin resistance. And certainly we know it's a precursor to type 2 diabetes. It's responsible probably for about 50%, certainly at the very least a marker, if not a driver of hypertension. Um, and um, it, it, it's the number one risk factor in young men for myocardial infarction. Now, when we think about how, what, how does diet affect insulin resistance, Actually, the processed carbohydrates, the refined carbohydrates, um, you know, the foods which are carbohydrates that lack fiber, so not whole fruit and vegetables, but more things like, you know, white bread, white pasta, white rice, consumed in excess, that has the biggest impact on blood glucose levels, which will then have the biggest impact on insulin responses. So I think the sort of prolonged um, excess consumption of these sorts of foods will link to insulin resistance, and I think there's a plausible mechanism or explanation for um, why there may have been an increased mortality associated with high consumption of carbohydrates in, in, in this study. Um, although they dif- didn't differentiate it, it's most likely that the added sugars and the refined carbohydrates is where the adverse effect on on this po- on this these populations
0: across the world uh, appears to be. So what do you think we should be telling our patients, Asim, both patients who've had a heart attack, uh, secondary prevention, uh, type uh, scenario and patients at risk of heart attack in terms of the best diet to follow we'll get on to exercise in a second Sure,
1: and I think we you know
0: we have to look at the best available evidence We have
1: uh, and as you know James, you know nutritional studies are, are fraught with with problems and difficulties in terms of trying to show Cause and effect, but you know, there are two uh, very good uh, randomized control trials that have been done in the last uh, few years uh, the most most recent one is the Predimed med study Um, which looked at several thousand uh, middle-aged people with both both male and female at high risk of cardiovascular disease Um, and you know essentially uh, the intervention group was was what was described as a as a high-fat Mediterranean diet the total fat um, consumption was about 41% of calories in the intervention group uh, supplemented with either uh, four tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil or a handful of nuts every day, tree nuts, versus um, uh, what was advised to be a low-fat Mediterranean diet, although the total fat consumption was only 4% less, it was 37%, but still this is interesting and I'll explain why. Um, and what they found after following them up for almost five years is that there was a significant reduction in cardiovascular events, although this was all driven by reduction in stroke, um, the numbers needed to treat was 61. There wasn't a reduction in all-cause mortality. But I think what's interesting about that, James, is that the, you know, the, the comparator group was still, compared to the average Western diet, was still a relatively healthy diet. So you could argue that if this was compared to a, the typical Western diet, there may have been a much more significant uh, effect. What else is interesting about that, and I'll come on to the, the secondary prevention trial in a second, is that there wasn't any significant difference in cholesterol, total cholesterol, Or even LDL between the two groups suggesting that the mechanism of benefit is independent of cholesterol Uh, and that fits in with um, probably most probably anti-inflammatory elements or mechanisms in those in those particular foods that will reduce the risk of these events so this is also in keeping with uh, the Leon heart study which was a secondary prevention trial which looked at a Mediterranean style diet versus the standard American Heart Association low fat diet and what that found within four years was actually quite remarkable there was a significant reduction in all-cause mortality the numbers needed to treat for that was 30. Uh, a reduction in recurrent myocardial infarction an NNT of 18. I think what they didn't expect to find was also reduction in development of cancer of an NNT of, um, of, of 30 as well uh, which is really quite extraordinary so uh, you know, the, 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 evidence that's there suggests the Mediterranean. Now the question is what components, what is the Mediterranean diet and what components of the Mediterranean diet are like to be beneficial. And the consistency seems to be that it's, you know, it is about whole fruit and vegetables. It is extra virgin olive oil. It's nuts. It's oily fish. I think those food groups have been tested in many other trials that suggest they're they're very beneficial
0: for health. And what about, and when, um, just to jump in there, what about meat? Is red meat off the menu completely in the Mediterranean diet, or is it a once-a-week treat?
1: Well, you know what's interesting? In the actual randomized control trials that were done, and you've got to remember these, these predate the more recent evidence or studies suggesting that dietary saturated fat, which is found, found in high concentrations in red meat, um, this, uh, these particular studies actually were low in red meat. Now, that doesn't mean that red meat is implicated necessarily in development of cardiovascular disease but the evidence that's there james at the moment doesn't suggest that you should be eating red meat and it's beneficial for you in terms of cardiovascular risk there are other benefits of red meat in terms of it being very highly nutritious and certainly it's a very good source of vitamin b12 um but i i wouldn't say that we can say definitively that red meat is something that people should be consuming a lot of now once you've, you know, what I advise my patients is once you've cut out the sort of processed foods, and I talk about the refined carbohydrates in particular added sugars, where there is growing evidence, um, certainly from high quality observational studies of, of harm, and when people cut the refined carbs out, certainly with type 2 diabetes, there's a lot of good evidence that suggests that their diabetes control improves, this is without restricting calories, and they, need to, they reduce the need for medication, some of them even potentially send their type 2 diabetes into remission or reverse it, depends which way you want to look at the data. Um, so, so I think cutting that out, interestingly, there's also um, a systematic review ongoing at the moment, which is going to be published next year by Cochrane, which is comparing low fat versus low carb for type 2 diabetes. So those results will be interesting, certainly looking at the available evidence that's there. My view is, I'm sure, you know, my view is it's very likely that the reduction in fine carbs is going to have a much better effect than
0: low fat just to finish off um in the last couple of minutes let's talk about exercise you you mentioned uh, in your editorial the need for around 22 minutes a day of exercise for maintaining a healthy heart um yeah what do you what do you tell your patients when it comes to exercise both before and after uh myocardial infarction.
1: Yeah I think the thing first to say is a little goes a long way so you know what can you do to your body which has the least impact in causing injury and stress but also it will help your longevity and reduce your cardiovascular risk James. Um, a very high quality observational study published in the BMJ looked at uh, ex-Olympic athletes and what they found which was interesting is that um, elite athletes didn't live any longer than golfers or cricketers which would suggest a little goes a long way. And the evidence that's there certainly recommends that, you know, 150 minutes of moderate activity a week um, is probably, in terms of longevity and cardiovascular risk, the best thing that you can do. And it doesn't involve, you know, joining a gym. So that 150 minutes a week, when you divide it by seven, we then, you know, made this 22 minutes. Yeah. um, Average 22 minutes. Brisk walking, James, to be honest. Um, You know, as you get older, there are other issues, of course, strength and Balance are really important. Elderly people are more prone to falling. So there are other exercises people can do. But for cardiovascular risk, one of the best things you can do is actually just do a brisk walk every day or at least five times a week for at least 20 minutes. And that, you know, will certainly have a beneficial effect on a cardiovascular uh, risk. Um, One, if you look at a lot of these um, traditional societies where they have very high longevity and myself and a former international athlete um, looked at a, a, a southern Italian village where um, it, it was quite famous because Ansel Keyes, a scientist that was responsible for changing nutritional advice, correlating saturated fat with heart disease in the Seven Countries study many years ago. He spent a lot of time in this village in southern Italy called Pioppi. And in fact, there are no gyms in this village, yet their average life expectancy is almost 10 years more than the average Tour de France cyclist. You know, the average male and female lives to about 89. There are a lot of people live um, to over a hundred in this village, but they age well they, you know, they've got, they're healthy in old age and these people just walked everywhere. So I think there's something to be, to, that we, we can learn from this, um, that, you know, actually doing that kind of activity, you know, doesn't involve thinking about how many calories you're burning. It's just getting your 30 minutes in, um, and, uh, and just walking briskly, uh, mm-hmm. getting your heart rate up a bit. I think that that's a very powerful tool for, for primary and secondary prevention
0: no I completely agree and it's I think a lot more palatable to many patients than telling them they need to start jogging or uh, joining a gym Uh, you know brisk walking basically half an hour a day seems uh, uh, you know achievable for for far more patients Um, Asim I think we uh, unfortunately have to wrap up there I know there's lots more we could discuss with you including statins and uh, LDL cholesterol hypothesis but perhaps we'll get you back on the podcast uh, in a few months time to to go through some of those issues brilliant thanks James Uh, my pleasure Thank you.